What's up, everybody? We got a special podcast for you this week coming out on the Martian MMA channel. My name is John. You guys know me from every week on the Martian MMA podcast. And I got with me one of my good friends, Ozzy. Say what's up, Ozzy. Yo, what's going on, guys? Uh, I, uh, you know, hit, hit John up to, you know, just, you know, record a bit. Uh, coming off last week, you know, obviously a kind of a, a stale card. And, uh, you know, going into this week, one of the fight night events that I think uh, they've matched up the best in recent memory. And, uh, you know, looking forward to uh, to all the all the fights on the card there. I totally agree. And Ozzy is talking about the Dillashaw versus Sandhagen card. 12 fights from the Apex. Apparently, there are going to be some fans in attendance at the Apex for this card, so that's a nice added addition to the card. And like Ozzy said, some actually really good fights for a fight night. Uh, looking at some of the fight nights in the past and the future, they don't look so good, but um, we're going to bring you a podcast talking about all these fights here, and we'll try to make it consistent. You know, me and Ozzy uh, talk a lot, and we like recording together, so uh, we're going to try to record as many of these as we can. So there will still be Martian MMA tomorrow. I'll still keep doing the solo podcast for now, uh, and we're just going to release some collab uh, podcasts while we can. So uh, that sounds good, right, Ozzy? Yep, I think so. All right, and... Let's just get, dive right into these fights. We got a killer fight to start the card. Belbita versus Goldie. The odds have it as a pretty much dead pick em across most books. I'll let you start this one off. Ozzy, did you tape this one? Uh, yeah, I did. So, you know, I've, I've seen both these girls. Um, Goldie, you know, I, I remember her, you know, I remember all her fights, especially going back to that contender series fight where I thought she, you know, probably overperformed. Uh, even, you know, considering the opponent, but just, you know, overperformed and, you know, especially if you compare it to her uh, debut fight, um, the odds have tightened up here a lot. Uh, Belbita was, you know, I think like plus 170, plus 160 when she opened. Um, and I think in this fight against Goldie, uh, you know, it, it, it's a case where, you know, you see Hannah Goldie, she's, you know, chiseled out of rock, you know, really, really strong girl, but, you know, 61 and a half inch reach uh i, I believe uh belbita is just i feel the more dangerous uh fighter and and just fights with a lot more intent uh you know so obviously goldie is is you know so you know a fire hydrant so she's gonna have to get inside but when once she is inside i feel like some of the skills that belbita has both kind of like clinch striking and just being able to to evade some of the shots that Goldie comes in with because they're 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 probably going to be a little bit more telegraphed gives her the advantage in this fight. But you never know with her on um in terms of her ground game because in both her UFC fights, uh you know she got kind of got roughed up on the ground. Uh, so it's a fight where you know pick and price is probably more or less fair. Um, I got a little bit of Belbita plus money, and I think I would, you know, I would bet that again. Obviously, if it, if it did come back up, but I think maybe you know, still a little value here, unless we're seeing, you know, you see Goldie come in with a bunch of improvements that she's had over the last like year, year and a half on the ground um, via her, own, her OnlyFans account. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think she has what it takes here to beat Belbita decisively. Yeah, I agree with pretty much all that. Uh, only thing I don't agree with is at the current price, I would probably just wait to see if Belbita goes back to plus money. Uh, yeah, I saw that at the end of the last week that she was like plus 132, and I knew that Goldie shouldn't be minus 150 over everybody, hasn't fallen in two years. And I agree with all you, all of what you said about her on the Contender Series. She looked you know, kind of good there throwing like 120 strikes, but then like she barely threw anything versus Granger and, you know, looked like a pretty bad striker. So yeah, Goldie moves backwards the entire time when she's striking. That's just not a good formula for women's MMA. Belbita does seem to come forward with like a little more aggression and power behind her strikes. And I think we can trust Belbita to just throw and land more when the fight's at distance. Uh, but Belbita is the worst defensive grappler of the two. I think if, these two women somehow end up on bottom. I think Goldie has a better chance at actually standing up while Belbita could just lose the fight or the round on bottom. So that is a big concern. I think you need plus money to be betting a fight this low level. So I agree with Belbita at plus money, and I'm going to pick her to win uh, by decision. Yeah, yeah, I probably agree uh, also on uh, her by decision. So Nice. Um, and next we got in the women's flyweight division, Sajara Eubanks as the minus 357 favorite, Elise Reed plus 292. 
I'll start this one off. I think this line is pretty justified. Uh, Reed is a w- way smaller woman, has fought at Aunt, uh, Adam Waite 115 for most of her career, and is now jumping up to Eubanks uh, at 125. And Eubanks has fought at 135 for some of her career as well. So Eubanks should have some big size on her. She should have a huge grappling advantage. I mean, Reed was just taken down so easily. She was putting in some deep submissions uh, by Rose in her CFFC fight. And I just think that she's not going to survive the grappling and the takedown attempts of Sajar Eubanks. And I actually bet Eubanks by submission is plus 500. Uh, that's on FanDuel. It's still on there. Yeah, you Ooh. might get you might have to get in on that because <laughs> I think I mean her knockout line is plus two ninety and her sub line is plus five hundred. I think that's yeah. like completely flipped. So you should definitely get in on that. Uh, Eubanks plus five hundred. I think there's a good, really good chance it happens. And uh, that's what I'm picking. Eubanks submission probably in the first two rounds as well. Yeah, so the uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing here is obviously a size difference, um, and the experience. You know, Sarge is either like six and six or six and seven, depending on where you look. Um, you know, but you know, also has those ultimate fighter fights on her record. And you know, I remember when I was you know coming up in jujitsu, she was you know tearing through you know the the female divisions there. So she's competed a lot. Um, Elise Reed, you know, just like four and zero in MMA. I saw her last fight uh in cffc and it kind of you know she just you know the other girl kind of just kind of gave up uh, a little bit you know she she looked for the finish for a bit um and then reed overwhelmed her i just don't see that being in in the deck of cards here unless sarge you know, can't make that weight cut again at 125 and somehow reed you know slips off uh you know one time almost like the Hodolfo, like a Hodolfo vieira thing where you know the, uh sarge does have success grappling but somehow some way maybe going for a submission reed gets back up to her feet and you know sarge is and then the fight is a lot closer because sarge is starting to to fade um but i would uh i would definitely lean towards uh eubanks getting this to the ground and you know solidifying positions and probably landing some big ground and pound early on you know in 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 pursuit of a submission later yeah good point about eubanks cardio too it seems like every time you think the cardio problem is solved like the morass fight she took her down in all three rounds she looked good and then the Kianzad fight she kind of gassed out again in that fight halfway mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. um so and then Going down to 125, that is kind of a surprise. I didn't really uh, fully grasp that until a few days ago, but hopefully she took her strength and conditioning and weight cutting a little bit uh, more seriously and doesn't gas out this time. I think she should be good, though. This should be a pretty easy matchup. And then next fight in the Bantamweight division, we got Julio Arce, minus 200 versus Andre Yule. I'll let you start on New York's own Julio Arce. Yeah, so... uh... You know, really good fight here. You know, Arce coming down from 145, where he had really good success. For the most part, I thought that last fight that he lost to um, Hakeem could have, I'm not saying it was a robbery, but I thought that, you know, he, if he fights that any more intelligently, he kind of gets an easy win there. Uh, And he's going against Andre Yule, who uh, just, is in very very strange fights overall um you know he's been he's has some really good experience has fought a lot of very good opponents but in this fight he's he comes into it against a guy in Arce who's just extremely well-rounded uh he's golden glove level boxer and I think he's continued to develop those uh those skills as he's been in the UFC um, his ground game is very underrated. Um, I've personally been in some grappling uh, divisions with him. I, I remember one or two occasions and like no gi advance, you know, this is six, seven, you know, eight years ago, maybe. And, uh, and he was doing really well in those. Uh, so he was probably, you know, close to black belt level back then. Uh, so, so I think, you know, and, and, and he's only continued to, to work on that at Tiger Showman. So I think he should look to, to close the distance at some point against Yule, get a body lock, just, you know, get Yule in a extended grappling, you know, exchange and then be able to take him down and, you know, and work to dominant position, kind of like how Nathaniel Wood, uh, did, but, uh, but yeah, I think this is, uh, Arce's fight to take. 
Um, I think at the current price, there's maybe some value just because Yule, how he fights, you know, he's going to be looking to, you know, line up that left cross with his with his jab. Uh, but I don't really see him being able to to hurt Arce uh, with with any strikes. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel about uh about the fight though overall? It's an interesting matchup for the first fight for Arce at 135. I think he can you know win some fights down here. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I actually thought about maybe playing Arce uh, when he was maybe minus 185, but I think the layoff, he hasn't fought since November of 2019. You were at that fight. That probably seems like two, three years ago with the pandemic and everything, but um, the layoff and going down to 135, I guess there's a few question marks that don't make me in love with playing him at minus 200, but yeah, he should edge the striking here in my opinion and then have a huge grappling advantage like you said. And the best case scenario for Yule is really like a close striking decision. I mean, the guy is always in close decisions, even when he should beat opponents like Burrell, like um, the guy he he busted up uh, who ended up committing murder. I forget his name. Uh, Rivera, I think his name oh, is. Oh, Irwin, uh, Irwin Rivera. Yeah, I hate to bring that up that <laughs> detail to remember him by, but um, like he made that fight a, a split decision somehow. I mean, it was pretty yeah, bad yeah, judging, yeah. but like Yule's style is just always close fight. So, I think Arce has the much more potential to like win the fight clearly. And I think he'll look really good at 135. And like you said, trains at a really good gym, Tiger Shulman, really good sparring partners up there. So this should be uh, his fight. I think he'll, he'll yeah. just scrape by like justify a minus 200 uh, and maybe stab on a submission line. Also plus 500 for Arce's yeah. submission. Yeah, one thing I saw too, and just to build up, uh, you know, Arce said that he had elbow surgery on both his elbows, and that he was inhibited, like he could bear, he couldn't really extend on his punches that much, and you know, he kind of like mocked it a little bit. And I went back to look at his Hakeem Dewadu fight, and you could see, and even in a, a, a Rosa fight, I think that he holds, a, he was holding his arm, his hands uh, up in position, where it's really strange, and it had to be because of some of that scar tissue and stuff in this elbows that he got cleaned up or whatever it was that he got cleaned up so i think we're you know we're gonna see a a guy here who who's looking to push the pace here and, and and look for a finish so you know i think you know some don't if you're going to play arce i would not get greedy on like a decision line and stuff like that i think you know just playing his money line would uh would probably be best yeah, I agree. I'd be pretty surprised to see him lose here. Um, next fight, also Bantamweight division. Adrian Yanez is minus 227, taking on Randy Costa, plus 192. Um, I guess I'll start this one off. And I think the line is wide. I actually already took some Costa, took some Costa knockout round one at plus 950, which is a crazy line. And I just think this line is closer, or the fight is closer than the line indicates. I mean, I don't have any supreme confidence in Costa to get it done, but, um, you know, pricing Yanez at minus 200 or above, I just cannot agree with that. I've always had some kind of hesitancy over Yanez because I think the guy is a bit low volume. He kind of searches for that knockout. And when he doesn't get that knockout or the knockdowns, I don't think he has that great round winning style. He's not pumping out a high volume every single round. And, you know, that was evident in a couple of his uh, LFA fights back in the day. He lost a split decision to, uh, to Miles Johns, where he probably should have won that fight, but he just didn't really have the highest volume. He did all the damage in that fight. Like Johns just pushed him against the cage the entire time. Um, but he just wasn't really winning the rounds convincingly. Also, Yana is in his last fight against Lopez only landed like 40 strikes over 10 minutes uh, against a way lower level opponent than uh, Costa. And, you know, there's still a lot to be proven about Randy Costa. The guy only has like 12 or 15 minutes of pro MMA fight time. So I still think there's a lot that this guy can improve of. He's training at Stanford for the past eight months. I think we're going to see some improvements there. Stanford, Stanford. I don't think he's got the IQ for Stanford. Well, yeah, that's true. I'm saying what I say with the, with the ST. Yeah, my fault. Um <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know if people know this about Costa, but like he was kind of like a pet project of Joe Lozon. Like Lozon just kind of oh, convinced yeah. he convinced him to fight when Costa didn't even really want to fight. His first like he basically got to the UFC like casually training MMA. Um, so I think he's just gonna get more serious. He's gonna look a lot better, and I just think plus one ninety is too wide for him. So I'm down to take a little Costa here. 
Like I said, I'm not supremely confident in the guy, but I just see it as like 60-40 best for Giannis. I think Costa can knock him out early, and I think we're going to see some improved cardio from Costa. Obviously, the only time he's been in round two against uh, Brandon Davis, he did lose that fight, but I just think we're going to see overall improvements from Costa, and I think the low volumeness of Giannis, and I didn't even talk about the defensive issues from Giannis. I mean, the guy just doesn't have good boxing defense, in my opinion. He's reckless when he's coming forward. Even when he was fighting that guy, Rodriguez, that he knocked out with that brutal head kick, he was just marching him down with with no defense, and he got clean or hit clean a couple times there. So um, what are you thinking about this one? I think I have more confidence in Costa than the average person and the market does. Uh, what are you thinking about this? Um, yeah, so, you know, really awesome fight, you know, for, for them to put together. I was watching some more Adrian Yanez tape today. Um, you know, I've, I've probably watched his fight fights a few times, but especially his the last one with Gustavo, because, you know, at a certain, you know, the low volume uh, criticism is, is for sure warranted. But I think in some of these fights, he's, you know, he he he's so comfortable throwing with a guy, um, you know, when they're throwing at the same time. And kind of like intercepting them that it's almost like you said it could it, it it like inhibits him sometimes or puts him behind the eight ball but he's i think he's just such a nuanced striker that he can change his approach really really quickly and his hands are just like extremely accurate when he does throw them uh so, so that's something that i notice and that's what boxing trainers a lot of sometimes tell you when when you're having a hard time hitting a guy they're like okay well you know if we can't either lead or counter right away you know we just got to throw with him and throw harder you know throw quicker so we're out of the way um and we're changing the tempo of the of the punches and how they're how they're going uh, back and forth um and costa costa what i would say is probably really good at that as well he's really really twitchy he'll hop in and out when he was you see that knockout against boston salmon you know he's he's uh stepping into the pocket he's backing away real quick he's leaping in again with with punches so he has a really good also control of uh of space there um but you know yanez i i feel is should be able to withstand swarms from Costa. I don't think that, you know, I, I know we say that the Yanez's Jan, style is low volume. You know, I feel that Costa, Costa, a lot of times, like if he's going to win this fight uh, and it's not because he lands one KO shot, it needs to be because he comes out and he uses you know some of his kicks and, and and knees and you know other strikes because he is extremely right hand dominant and i just don't think that he you know he's going to be be there and being able to to chuck right hands at at yanez without getting countered pretty big at, at certain points um but you know i i mean i would not lay the juice on yanez here i think it's it's a it's a little bit too much um i know that he has a ground advantage but i i, I don't think that he's going to come out there looking to wrestle at any point and you know the cardio the cardio situation is is interesting because i think this fight will bring something out of both of them that they are not used to so i can't necessarily say hey yanez has the uh cardio advantage because he's been in and longer fights before because i think the fight that's gonna you know break out here is gonna be a lot uh a lot different than any of his uh past ones yeah those are all good points um so you got an official prediction i never gave my official prediction uh, uh, i'm going with i'm going with costa yeah. i'm going to take yanez by second round stoppage some kind of stoppage nice yeah i think if he yeah. wins it'll probably be two three and Costa wins it'll probably be round one. But honestly, I'm not I'm not ruling out like a close decision on either side here either. Um and then I was one, thinking about the over, but I feel you know, it's just me so sweaty. I think I'm just gonna try and enjoy it, you know, just enjoy the fight, hang out. <laughs> yep. And actually this fight moved up in the card. It's on the main card now, but the technology yeah. hasn't uh, updated that so we we analyzed it a little early but nonetheless we're going to keep going on next fight middleweight division your boy ian heinish minus 160 yeah uh, minus 170 now m evolve plus 145 i'll yeah. let you start this one off here what are you thinking 
Oh, man. So, Ian, you know, really let me down last time against Kelvin. I really believed in him, uh, but it was uh, it was not to be. Uh, he's going against Imavov here, who I also am a fan of for sure. Um, you know, had that really good fight against Phil Halls last time. And these are two guys that just really, I, for, for the most part, pretty well-rounded. I think Imavov... Um, if he's not getting stalled out like he was versus Phil Hawes, he has a lot of potential, I think, in this middleweight division. Um, you know, I think the fight, how, how it's going to go is, uh, you know, I was leaning a little bit into thinking, you know, I know that a lot of people have thought this would be like a fight that goes over, but I feel like, you know, Heinish, I he's just kind of, to me, just really unpredictable given that he throws a lot of power strikes out there. Um, and he doesn't mind if he's wrestling, if he's, uh, you know, on the feet, you know, he's looking to do damage in a lot of points. And Imavov has that front choke. He's got a lot of tool, you know, he, he's got pretty good hands. Uh, he has some kicks, uh, and, and both these guys have pretty good cardio. So I think, you know, more, I've been hearing people like the over here how how it's trending you know heinish going up to minus 170 now you know i think you, you you're there's a little bit of a tax here on people feeling that his training situation uh is improving or getting better there at sanford mma um and then he's gonna be and because he's had like this more big fight experience against brunson against uh, uh calvin gaslam that uh that he's gonna have too much experience but for Imavov, but I think Imavov is a is a sleeper in this division. I don't think he should be discounted because that Phil Haas fight, he had Phil Haas on Queer Street. I thought that there was potential that, you know, I was on Imavov there. I thought that he could have won that fight. Um and I think he's a tough dude he's a tough dude to fight in that cage. You know, six foot three, big middleweight, you know, long reach and and you know they call him the the Russian sniper for a reason. This guy's this guy's legit. So I think it's a close fight. If it keeps, if you know, we get like Imavov plus one sixty or something. I think I might, you know, I think I'll bite on that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm on the same page as you. You sound like it's you know a dog or pass, and that's what I I think. I mean, Heinish doesn't really justify minus one seventy. I mean, he. He really hasn't ever done that in his UFC career. I mean, both the Matanche and uh. Carlos Jr. fights were close, and you know when he blasted GM three, I don't think that result told us a whole lot. But uh, I just don't think he's the type of guy to really justify a minus one seventy. And uh, I agree with all of what you said about Imavov um, in the Halls fight. I just watched that, and I think there's no way Imavov lost that fight. I mean, you you have to give you have to award the damage of Imavov. He did the majority, if not all, of the damage in that fight. So I had it a draw. Uh, you could even give Imavov rounds two and three uh, with a three ten eight. So um, he really didn't lose that last fight, in my opinion. But he, his defensive grappling did look pretty bad. He did get taken down. He did get stuck on his back for long periods of time when Halls wasn't really doing that much. He was just kind of laying on top of him. So yeah. I think good wrestlers will take him down, but I'm not so sure Heinish is a good offensive wrestler. I actually held the guy in way higher regard in terms of his defensive grappling, but I think that kind of maybe went down a step in that Kelvin Gastelum fight. I mean, Gastelum had more success out grappling him than Mutanche and Cesar or, or and Carlos Jr. did a while back. So I don't know. I think Heinrich might be losing a step a little bit. I, I just don't feel like the guy has any go-to offense. Like He doesn't have any consistent tools that work for him. Um, you know, that big looping right hand, he doesn't really have much to set it up. I mean, maybe he can get behind a leg kick and a jab at times. I think he's been training at Sanford MMA, so he might show some improvements. But I think Imamov is the better distance striker. I think he has the better straight punches. I think he's going to have a big speed advantage in the boxing here. And unless Heinish hits takedowns and top games Imamov, which he hasn't really done to many opponents, I think that Imavov is going to pull off the upset here. So I like Imavov as a dog, uh, just waiting to see what the line closes at before I bet so him. Stack and, guys, uh, stack guys are have to be all over Imavov. He's younger. He's got like four inches in reach. They got th th that's like an auto, but he's taller. That has to be like an auto see. bet. I wonder no? what some of the uh, the, the metrics the metrics say about him. I don't know. Has to be, has to be, bro. They have to be on Imavov. But he's got a I, four inch, four inch height reach or four inch height advantage. 
three inch reach advantage for him too. Yeah, he he's a big boy, but yeah, I think um, yeah, you know, I think Heinish probably probably going to be throwing calf kicks, looking to throw kicks. So it's I think it's gonna be a close fight though. So, but I think uh, you know, and Heinish is really really durable. But I really think that Imavov serious. He's a serious uh fighter in the UFC. Like I don't think he's a guy that should be, you know, getting cut and stuff. So. I think, you know, it's a good bounce back, you know, potentially. But it's a tough fight for him, no doubt. Tough fight. All right, we'll move on to I'm the gonna next pick, one. I, 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 my pick's going to be Imavov by, uh, by decision. Nice, cool. nice. Uh, and Imavov knockout plus 425. Somewhat interesting prop for that fight. Next fight, we're staying in the middleweight division. We got Brendan Allen taking on Puna Soriano. Virtually a pick him across all the markets. Some... Sportsbooks out there have it at minus 105 for Brendan Allen. And this is a close matchup for a reason. And I think you kind of got to speculate on either side here because Puna Soriano has never really faced a takedown attempt in MMA. Uh, from what I can tell, I watched some of his fights before the UFC. Of course, his fights in the UFC. He hasn't really faced any grapplers or any guys who attempted to take him down. He's usually the guys, uh, the opponent taking his opponents down, especially on the regional scene. It definitely seems like he's fallen in love with his hands lately. The guy has a straight, uh, a great straight left hand, good power behind it, and he's knocked out both of his opponents in the UFC with it. And I think that the striking will actually be closer than people expect. I thought we saw some good improvements from Brendan Allen in his last fight in the striking. He pressured Carl Roberson. He was pumping out output to give him a lot of different looks. And right when he got Roberson thinking about the strikes, he switched it up with that takedown attempt, took him down, and was able to submit him uh, with an ankle lock, which isn't how I remember that fight going. I actually was kind of surprised to see that's how it ended on rewatch. Um, but you kind of got to speculate here whether – uh, Allen is going to have, or excuse me, wh whether Soriano is going to have the takedown defense to stop the takedown attempts of Brendan Allen. And I'm actually leaning towards Allen hitting those takedowns. I think that Puna just swings a little bit too wild on the feet. He's going to be put off balance. Allen's just going to wait for the right time where Puna overextends himself. And he's going to time that takedown attempt, get him to the floor, and eventually outgrapple him and probably stop him in the later rounds. Puna, not really known for going out of round one, only been out of round one one time. And he did kind of slow down in that fight against Pickett on the Contender Series. So I think Allen has the better cardio. He has got the better grappling advantage. And as long as he can avoid getting knocked out early, he should finish this fight in rounds two or three. Um, so I'm siding towards Allen here, but some props for this fight that I value. Puna knockout round one plus 410. That seems like his most likely win condition. And those Allen round two, round three props have some value as well. What are you thinking about this one, Ozzy? Uh, so, you know, I also like Brendan Allen here. Um, you know, Puna is a very impressive athlete. Um, you know, really, really big. You could, you could see, you know, knows how to, uh, you know, put his weight behind his punches and do a lot of damage and coming from that left-hand side, you know, he, his punches just look really, really good. Um, you know, they look really, uh, educated, uh, and he knows how, you know, he knows how to, how to land that left hand. Uh, that being said, you know, as he comes in, he is extremely left-hand dominant, um, which, you, you can tell a lot of times when the guy's not able to uh, to cut off the cage and he's kind of left behind sometimes, you know, while throwing that left hand. But, you know, he really doesn't have anything to offer from the right-hand side. Uh, he doesn't throw that many kicks from what I've seen. Uh, and, he, and he's kind of really looking to duck in, you know, throw the left, uh, back you up, you know, line you up, you know, to land that left hand. So, you know, Allen coming from a gym where he's he's sparring guys like Brunson and a bunch of these other guys, and he has someone like Henry Hooft behind him, he should be able to fight more to his, his strengths and, you know, definitely avoid, you know, first of all, that left hand of uh, Puna, but also probably use that against Puna and uh, and and look to set up some clinch entries when Puna's being so over aggressive, because I think more often than not, you know, the takedown comes from some kind of body lock, you know, attempt or you know something like that, where you know Puna's you know Puna's moving them around, moving them around, but you know Allen's got into a position with underhooks or, or a body lock that uh that he just ends up beating him and, you know, putting him down at a, at a certain point in the exchange. Um, I think this fight, you know, it could get hairy for Allen at some points. Like I wouldn't be surprised.
surprised if I see him, you know, squirming around on his back, like, you know, pulling guard, like having like a half guard where he's coming up on a single leg and Puna's like trying to, you know, land strikes on him. But, you know, the, the intent should be, I think, uh, you know, look to look to ex- establish range with the kicks, you know, and eventually tire this guy out so you can, you know, get a, a later round stoppage. Uh, but I think there's some value here on Allen still. Um, you know, I think that he's, you know, he'll avoid the big shots from Puna long enough to be able to uh, to start putting damage on Puna and, you know, testing, really testing his cardio and what his defense looks like when uh, when he's not able to to just scare people away. Nice. Sounds like we're on the same page. I'll probably end up taking uh, about a unit of Allen's money line as well. Um, and some breaking news. I'm going to get your reaction to this live. Aspen, oh Lad, Aspen Lad versus Macy Shasson is canceled. Oh no. It is canceled. So oh no. You guys heard COVID, it. First. Damn it. Um, we'll still is it COVID? Is it COVID? No, or? apparently it's an injury. Apparently it's an injury. Who knows? Oh, from who? From Aspen Lad? I don't know. It's probably uh, Aspen Lad being too chubby and having to cut too much weight, honestly. Oh, um, no. Just speculating, of course. But um, we are moving on. We have the next fight in the welterweight division where we have Jordan Williams as the minus 170 favorite taking on Mickey Gall plus 145 underdog. I'll let you start this one off. What are you thinking about this welterweight fight? Uh, So Mickey versus Jordan Williams, you know, really interesting matchmaking. Um, you know, Jordan Williams, I thought was, uh, was an interesting fighter and kind of like what he brought, like he just... You know, mostly pace oriented. You know, he he's kind of like coming, looking to come forward. You know, land big punches, but really, you know, whether you know wear you down over the course of a fight. Um, you know, at one down now here at one seventy. You know, it, it he could be someone that's pretty dangerous because you can't. You know, he he's really hard to put out, and he's very well rounded. Um, I think in this fight against Mickey. Uh, you know, if I were to be liking Gall, I would just look to take him some with some form of you know inside distance or or by submission because I feel Mickey, you know, sometimes is not you know when he's having success, it's very one sided in his direction, like he's not really like a guy that's going back and forth with someone when his offense is effective, it's dominant offense, it's you know him landing big punches, is him getting takedowns right you know right into dominant positions um and stuff like that, so I think you know th- there are there are going to be opportunities for Mickey if he stays in this fight to uh to like get to the back or get a takedown and i think williams is you know he's he's a guy's intent on making mickey work so his immediate rack reaction so like getting taken down or grappling or whatever is going to be not to hold like you know is to be like okay let me just get out of this here and if i get out of this i win the fight you know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be his thought process. Like, if Gall gets a takedown, he's like, okay, whatever. Like, this is the only takedown this guy get, has. So, let me get up, you know, really, really quick. And then he's going to be gassed, and I'm going to knock him out. Because that's the reputation, you know, unfortunately, that kind of Gall has a little bit. And Williams knows his cardio is really, really good. Um, so, I think that's that that's going to be how it would probably play out. Um, but, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that jordan is going to finish mickey gall which i think some people are like oh you know williams inside the distance or whatever i don't i don't really see that i i I think if it's more likely to go to the scorecards um if williams is able to with williams's approach because you know if he's gonna win more often i think it'll be by decision so i agree with most of what you said there uh this fight going the distance is actually plus 120, plus 115 in some places. I think that's off. And I think the most likely finish is going to be a goal submission here because I doubt Williams is able to knock him out. 
uh, if Mike Perry wasn't. Also, a big concern about this fight is Williams dropping down to 170. He is a type 1 diabetic and apparently hasn't cut weight specifically for that reason, fought undersized at middleweight for a long time, and he's now cutting weight for this fight. So I think there's a lot of unknowns about how he'll look off the weight cut, how his cardio will be, and he definitely did gas out and slow down big time in his last fight against Imavov. I think that had to do with the, the front chokes of Imavov. Uh, Williams was shooting some lazy takedowns, leaving his neck out there, and got caught in a few nasty guillotines. And I think that just disrupted his breathing, and he never could really recover. Um, and I thought Gall actually looked pretty improved in the striking versus Perry early on. He kind of collapsed after a few minutes and started losing the fight pretty handily. It was actually pretty easily out-wrestled and out-grappled by Mike Perry as well. Um, but still, I think Gall showed some signs of improvement there. That was a year ago, so he might continue improving. And I think Williams might not even look minus 170 in the striking. I think there's a good chance this is competitive striking exchanges for the first few minutes of the fight. And I don't think Gall's wrestling is that great, but I don't think Williams is that great of a defensive grappler. As I mentioned, he left his neck out a few times versus Imavov, and he could, yep. get, caught, he could get caught in a submission here versus Gall. Um, so with all the questions around Williams, um, I don't even think the guy is that great of a striker, as I mentioned. So mm. I don't, I don't agree with minus one seventy. I'm not rushing to play Mickey Gall either. I think Mickey Gall's submission is probably the best uh, pre-fight stab on this. Uh, yeah. Maybe com combined goes the distance with uh, Gall submission. Um, so huh. I, I guess I'll pick Williams by decision as the official pick, but no way I would lay that minus one seventy chalk. Yeah, I'm actually remembering now. Uh, I was at the Mickey. Was I at the? I was at one of the Mickey golf fights. Either the one where he called out, the one that he called out CM Punk. I think I was at the one before that. That's oh, really. I, I think I was at uh, the one before that. Um, that's the funny. Dead, dead funny. serious. Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe you were there. Maybe you were there too. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, looked at, I just looked it up. I, so I was gonna say I was at his fight against Salim Tuhari, uh, oh, in New no, Jersey, no, no, no. and because he's from New Jersey, the crowd was going insane, and I was like sitting there. I'm like, you guys are cheering for Mickey Gall. This dude sucks. And, yeah, like, yeah. The the arena was going nuts. <laughs> it, it was the fight. It was the fight where he called out CM Punk because my friend was in the co-main event there. So yeah, his Ron Templeton fight. And I was like, this dude called out, or I think, cause I think maybe it was that he called out CM Punk when he was an amateur maybe. And then, uh, and then he had the, I'm not sure either way, but I think I, I, if, if the line widens a little bit more, you know, I think that Mickey Gall could be a good, a good bet here because, you know, people are just fading this cardio so much, but it's been over a year that he's been out. You know what I mean? And his training situation, it's so much different for a lot of these guys. than it was back in, you know, May and June of, of, uh, of you know COVID time, and I heard him say he had a back injury. So I think this fight could definitely you know play out and much closer than people think. And they have a similar amount of fight experience. You know, Williams has thirteen fights, Mickey Gall has has nine. Like you know, I think it was we gotta good, we gotta we'll say see. too that Williams knocking out RoboCop is like one of the biggest flukes in MMA history. Yeah, um, I mean, I think yeah, I think he just caught RoboCop there with like a hook that he didn't really see coming. Caught him cold. Um, but you, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's just like the variance there of the game. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, I, th I hope Mickey Gall wins, honestly, to avenge the RoboCop. Um, so we're moving on to the next fight in the women's flyweight division. We got Miranda Maverick minus 156, Macy Barber plus 136. Uh, I'll let you start this one off. Uh, yeah. So, you know, good. Good matchup between two, uh, you know, two girls that are pretty well-rounded, um, you know, and, and probably higher-level athletes uh, for the women's side than, than you kind of maybe sometimes see. Uh, you know, I uh, I played a little bit of Miranda Maverick uh, early on or, you know, maybe, you know, let's say like a week ago or whatever, and then added a little bit this week. But, you know, the more I'm looking at this fight, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I, I'm having a hard time kind of like predicting you know, what manner, you know, how it's going to, how it's going to take place because, um, I'm not sure how 
clean Miranda's takedowns are going to be necessarily against Macy. Um, I think Macy has been improving uh, that that wrestling. Uh, you, you saw it on display a little bit against Grasso. She hit that really nice inside trip. She hit some some double leg takedowns, um, you know, and, and was, I thought, moving pretty well in the grappling. You know, Grasso did throw up that armbar and, and, and sleeper in the uh, second round, I believe it was. But um, but I think overall she she looked pretty improved. You know, Grasso is is pretty quick for 125. She has really good you know really good hands. Um, and, and is I just think think one of the more talented uh girls at the weight class. So, 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 and I think that you know she, yeah I probably say she I would think that she would beat Miranda. Probably that's a that's something that people wouldn't agree with but it's just you know miranda i think some of the the striking that you know that she puts out there i think is uh is a little overrated you know to be honest even though i did, did I do have a bet on her um you know she throws some some good punches but they're not really like devastating you know what i mean like i think macy has a power advantage on the feet um and when not going against a, a a striker as skilled as grasso that has really good timing you know having someone a little bit more traditional like uh miranda that's not you know rolling out with punches and has you know throwing that last punch uh in, in a combination when they're changing up uh, speed, you know, I think that Macy can have some success. Um, so I think it's an interesting fight. I think uh, it'll probably go the distance. Um, and I'm kind of wavering on my earlier conviction for, uh, for Macy. So what, how do you feel about it? So one thing you said, you thought, uh, you said Grasso would beat Maverick, right? I don't think that's controversial, really. I think that'd be. I don't. I don't know. I think if you ask most people, uh, that they, they'd probably say that they think Miranda's, uh, you know, the higher, or the you know, power rate or whatever. Like they, they think more favorably of her. But yeah. yeah, I actually think this is pretty bad matchmaking. Like I don't get what the hell the UFC is trying to do with Barbara. Like they they matched her against Bar uh, Roxy. She lost you know, pretty dominantly. She got injured and then they gave her a way better fighter in Alexa Grasso. And then she loses that. And then they're, they're still barely giving her a step down in competition. It, it kind of, it's almost like they want her to fail. Um, but I agree with some of the hesitancies you had around Maverick. Uh, I think she's the more technical striker. I think that her southpaw striking will be a little bit uh, confusing for Barbara. I doubt Barbara trains so many southpaws. But I do agree that uh, Barbara does have the power advantage. But when I was watching Barbara strike versus Grasso, man, sh she is still winging shit. I mean, she really has uh, next to no setup to some of her offense, in my opinion. And I know Barbara's a good or Grasso's a good boxer, but she was really looking like sloppy there, just as sloppy as she did several years back. Um, but you do kind of have to look at how easily they dealt with Ro Robertson. Maverick had you know a competitive fight with her, lost a round, and then. Barbara just destroyed her against the fence. You know, I had a huge bet on on uh, Barbara versus uh, Robertson. Huge. Really, that, that that was good. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of a funny stoppage. Like she didn't even go down. She was just, you know, the referee was like, "Yeah, enough of this." Um, but so Maverick, I think she's a slight striking advantage. I definitely think she's the better overall grappler, but her wrestling isn't that great. I do agree with that, but I think that she has some pretty creative timing with her takedowns. She hit some key takedowns versus uh, Robertson and she won a few scrambles uh, from Robertson, especially in the third round. So I have some doubts uh, over Barbara still. I, I don't think she's making many improvements and, you know, just the way that she was getting taken down by Roxanne and, getting easily passed and whenever she got on top she would get reversed i think the maverick is going to be the better overall grappler here uh and i give a slight advantage to her on the feet as well so i agree with uh maverick being the slight favorite here maybe 55 percent um definitely not in a rush to better where it's at now i think it is probably dog or pass with uh barbara at plus 136 um i think we're gonna be going to a competitive decision here probably 29 28 and i think uh maverick's just gonna keep her top position a little bit more when she gets there, have a little more consistent success with her striking. And uh, I think both women have pretty good cardio as well. Both women won round three of their last fights. So um, it should be competitive, but I think uh, Maverick's going to get it done. Anything else to add there? No, not really. All right, moving on to featherweight. We got 
Derek Minner as the minus 157 favorite, taking on Darren the Damage Elkins, plus 137. I think you are siding with the, the damage train here. You want to start this one off, Ozzy? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I just, I can't, I'm not buying Eric Minner's stock. I'm not doing it. It's not happening, especially after a win over Charles Rosa. Like, come on. You cannot be blinded by this this nonsense. This is a fight where it's like, all right, like it, like it's screaming to you that Darren Elkins is going to whip Derek Minner's ass. It just is. Like, I look at the fight and I'm like, I mean, could Derek like catch him in a sub for sure? Def, I guess, like definitely. But as soon as he does not get that submission, like Darren Elkins is going to be all over him. Like, it, he's not going to like freeze. When Minner is going for a submission uh, and, and and back away and you know do any of this nonsense, any of that nonsense, and like he's not going to accept takedowns like Charles Rosa did. Like you know Charles Rosa was getting out wrestled and out grappled by Justin James in the last fight. At worst, this fight should be like pick him. You know, I, I'd I'd tell you because you know Derek Minner, yes, has like a lot of finishing capabilities, but he's only going to finish early on. You know, the the reason that he was getting all those, like, arm triangles on Charles Rosa and stuff is because, like, Rosa was is just kind of weak on the ground and, not and you know, not really looking to get up versus anyone. So, so Minner was able to kind of just, you know, get those static positions. It's not going to happen against uh, Darren Elkins. It's just not. Like, Mirsad Bektik, you know, uh, the, the late, and he's still alive, but you know he's, he's retired. <laughs> it's not funny. I just want to make sure that people know that. Uh, Mursar Bektik, who was supposed to be the next, you know, hammer back in the day. Uh, kids, kids these days won't know that. Um, but it hold Darren Elkins. Like Derek Minner is not doing it. So I'm on Elkins. I think you know. I think I bet him at like plus one forty five or plus one fifty. I, I think I might add to that. Like. I think that he should probably be the favorite here. I, I I really don't see it with Derek Minner. And if you lose on Elkins, if like he gets finished, whatever, like you got plus money on him. I don't understand this. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> with all that. I mean, I wasn't expecting it going into tape, but I think the easiest way to summarize this is Minner is a guy who consistently slows down, and Elkins is a guy who never slows down. I mean, Elkins can shoot. 10, 15 takedowns a fight and keep going that entire pace over 15 minutes. He can get his ass kicked for 10 minutes and come back in the last round. Um, the guy really just never stops coming forward. I will say that when he was getting hit by Garagori, though, I mean, it looked like he was getting stunned by, by every shot, really. I mean, he kept coming forward, but like it looked like every shot kind of shut his brain off for one second, but then he would just, you know, go right back to fighting. Um, so, He's had he well, it's good. He's had like eight months to rest his brain. So true. And I mean he I mean he's just such a dog. I mean he literally gets rocked in round three, gets another takedown, gets the back take, and chokes the guy out like sixty seconds later. Um, you know, Gary's no good, but still that was a, a very fun <laughs> a, a very fun fight to watch. <laughs> Um, Bill, Bill, Bill should be calling out Garagori. True, true. You have to drop down, <laughs> drop down. Oh no, that's yeah, that's one forty five. That's one forty five, dude. True, true. Call him um, out. <laughs> So let's go Mexico. Let's go. Whatever. So Minner is not the type of guy to, to, to hurt Elkins on the feet though. He, I mean, he was kind of showing some improved striking versus Rosa, but I don't think that's going to be very consistent. And Minner had good cardio in that fight. He won because he was winning the entire time. The second Derek Minner like faces like any adversity in a fight besides like his first guillotine attempt, like he does kind of wilt and and slow down. So I think Elkins is going to take him down. He's probably going to be caught in one choke early. And if Elkins can scramble his way out of that, he should be smooth sailing. So yeah, dude, if you on. like Minner, um, you shouldn't be betting him as a favorite, especially at minus 150. And if you like him, just take like a round one prop. Um, maybe take, uh, I saw the knockout round one for Minner is like 13 to one. Like, I mean, there is a small chance that Minner just comes out, blitzes him, Elkins is shot, and he goes down. So uh, I kind of think there's some value on that. But um, what do you think about Elkins like finishing versus decision? Because I think after round one, it should be all Elkins, right? You think Elkins is going to put it on him and finish him, or you think it's going to go? 
Man, I think so. I don't. I, I just. I don't believe in Derek Minner. I just. You know. I I, I just don't see it. I think that. Uh, you know, Elkins should be able to get you know some good positions and and start to land ground and pound. Does he finish? Does, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure because Minner. You know, I. Um, Elkins is not the most devastating, you know, hitter, but you know, if I was Elkins, you know, I'd be like, all right, well, if I get, I can finish Derek Minner, I could get a performance bonus. So let me try and do that. You know, that sounds good. So, you know, maybe a little, you got a little sprinkle on that, but I don't even think it's that great odds. Like what, what is, uh, him inside the distance? Like, no, I, I think it's probably like plus, plus oh, plus three twenty five. That's, uh, that's not what bad. is, what is submission? Cause he's not going to knock him out. Let me see this. Um, Elkin sub plus five hundred. I see five hundred, five hundred on Fanduel. Um, they, they pretty much opened every submission line at plus five hundred this week, pretty much. All right, mm. but we're both on Elkins here. I haven't actually bet him yet, but uh, might have to get in on his money line. But I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of expect maybe some late minor money to come in. I mean, Elkins has lost four fights in a row. Um, so on paper, some like late casual betters might come in on minor. Honestly, uh, hopefully. Um, next fight, we got a really good fight in the Bantamweight division. We got Kyler Phillips, who has swelled to a minus 270 favorite, taking on Holyon Paiva, plus 230 dog. Uh, Paiva has been uh, kind of a popular underdog in our friend group this week. Uh, Ozzy, are you, you subscribing to that, Paiva? You think this line is wide? Um, man, I tried to see the Paiva love. I really did. Um, I kind of see it, you know, but what I feel is. Um, the line is probably wide. You know, uh, Kyler Phillips is a really hyped up prospect. I, I forget which season of the Ultimate Fighter specifically he was on. It's just so many of them. But he was, I, I remember seeing the cast and I was like, oh, well, Kyler Phillips is is the favorite here. And I think he lost like his first fight, like like no brainer. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even uh, particularly close. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe he'll take his time. So, you know, I, he had, he comes from a jiu-jitsu background. He has some like traditional martial arts uh, mixed in as well trains at i think mma lab with you know some really good uh training partners there and he's definitely had had hype before like i've definitely heard of him before the ufc but uh after the ultimate fighter and all that and um you know his last fight he definitely impressed me against uh yadong um i liked yadong in that fight just because i thought that he'd, he'd be able to to land uh on phillips but phillips was able to stifle him with primarily what i thought it was his footwork and was what um, worried me a little bit with Yadong, with him being so right hand dominant. Um, but uh, but Kyler has really good, really good, um, you know, understanding on the feet of distance. Um, he throws, uh, he throws, you know, intelligent strikes. But I think in this fight, the only way for him to be minus two seventy, and I think what the thought process is, is that he's going to use his ground game. Um, in that Gabriel Silva, I believe is his name. I know his first name is Gabriel. Uh, fight that he had in the UFC, um, I was pretty impressed with some of the some of the stuff that he was uh, working working through uh, on the ground there. Some of the positions that he was looking for and taking. Uh, and I think that if you like uh, Phillips here, and I'm going to have a personal play on this, I take Phillips by submission, uh, which is I think plus eight hundred. Um, I think that's just a a, a a a wide line, just because Paiva. You know, I know I saw a stat that he's got like, you know, he spent the least amount of time on his back at a something. I don't know what was the the parameters, but I think that uh, Phillips, if he does get a takedown, he's he's going to be looking to for for submissions. Um, you know, to finish a fight, I don't think he's you know looking for a ground and pound stoppage. And then uh, Paiva will you know, as the lighter guys do give up their backs. And I think Phillips is pretty dangerous. So, you know, if he's, you know, if he's at any point losing the striking exchanges, I think Phillips uh, shoots in for a takedown. He got Yadong down a bunch of times and Piva has been taken down by uh, a bunch of guys. Like, you know, so I think that's a good angle there, but on the feet, I just don't really see the Piva Piva stuff. Like, is he, what, is he going to land, you know, some big shots with his kind of like gangly, uh, body i guess but you know i think phillips has uh should, should have the advantage in just his overall approach so one point about paiva's 
defensive grappling is he is, you know, tall and lanky, so he's not going to be like a good wrestler. He's not going to stop that initial takedown, but he is pretty good at getting off of his back at, you know, getting up once he's been taken down. And that stat is like, yeah, he spent the least time on bottom after being taken down. So he has been taken down by a few guys, but like he pops back up to his feet really fast. So I actually disagree that Phillips is going to out grapple him. I mean, plus 800 though, you can't really be too wrong when you're stabbing at that. So I don't disagree with that play. Um, but I just think this fight's going to be closer um, than the line indicates. I think maybe Phillips at 65% is like the max I would cap him at, minus 190. But minus 200, I just don't see Phillips justifying it. I think the market is kind of doing like an overcorrection here. Uh, he was a dog to Yadong, and now he's a, a, a big favorite over Paiva. And I think Paiva is kind of like a, a bit of an unknown uh, talent to like some more betters. Um, Zumagula fight was a year ago. He did take a year off. So I think people maybe forgot about him a little bit. I think he's a, a solid kickboxer. As I mentioned, he's a good defensive grappler. And I think he's going to move up to 135 and actually have success. He is like a tall, lanky guy. And I think this weight class will actually do, uh, do good for him. So I just think Paiva will compete everywhere. I think he'll be, be competitive in the striking. I think he won't get uh, taken down or held down for too long. I think he probably will get taken down. But I just see him getting back up to the feet and making this fight close everywhere. I guess it is hard for me to see like a, a full path to victory for him. I guess a close decision uh, by edging the striking is his best bet. Um but I just can't agree with with Phillips in the minus two seventy range. So I got a half unit bet on Piva here plus two two five, and uh, I'm down to you know stab half unit to to see if the fight's closer than the odds are. Right on. And um, one last one note about Phillips is like the guys he's beaten before you like Yudong was the best opponent he's beaten by far. I think the guys he's beaten before that are actually, you know, not the highest level opponents. And Paiva, I think is, has fought in the better fighters in his past uh, four or five fights. So I think Paiva uh, is going to surprise some people off the layoff. Um, that brings us to the next fight. Uh, Aspen lad, Chasson canceled. Sorry. Um, I was picking lad here. Chasson's defense, uh, takedown defense is just dreadful. She got taken down by Lena Landsberg, Sarah Maras, even Marion Renal was able to take her down. So I thought lad was just going to get the body lock, take her down and probably dominate and stop her. Uh, what were your thoughts on that before it got canceled? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, uh, <laughs> good analysis of that one. Um, moving on to the best fight on the card, the main event, we got the former champion TJ Dillashaw is actually the plus 170 underdog here and the new young gun Corey Sandhagen, the minus 195 favorite. So I'll let you start your thoughts on this one. Uh, great main event. One of the best fight night main events we've had in a long time. Yeah, so awesome fight put together. You know, I, I know I, I've probably been thinking about, you know, these guys matching up for, for quite a while now. Um, so, you know, Sandhagen, I, I had thought back before the Sterling fight, I'm like, man, this is the number one guy right now. Um, and, you know, obviously he had that hiccup versus um, versus Sterling, but came back with, you know, two, two devastating knockouts. Um, you know, it, it's tough when you're kind of looking at this fight, when, you know, you're looking at it at angles where it's, you know, the, the, the hole in Sanhagen's uh, grappling game is just undeniable. Like Marlon Marais was, you know, taking him down pretty easily. Now that being said, Marlon, you know, took down Rob or uh, who was it? Not Rob Font. Who's a lot? Yeah, Rob Font took him down right away. Uh, took down Aldo. So I guess he has some wrestling. But Dillashaw should, you know, as soon as he locks his hands around Corey, like Corey's just so, I think, uh, just his hips are just not made to sprawl and stuff. I just, I think it, it's kind of impossible. I've seen this a lot of times before where guys, you think that, you know, they're, they're uh, going to improve their takedown defense or their takedowns even, and it just never happens. Um, I know he's been working with Ryan Hall. So, you know, I think that means that he's probably going to go for jujitsu uh, based defenses at some points, like more traps, um you know triangles like looking to scoop up to you know entries to the legs you know and doing things like that um which i think could could work out for him 
because he does have that that those features and he's he's I've seen him do some uh, those things before you know against Mario Batista you know uh he hit, he hit a Kamora into like a triangle so I have a little bit of I put a little bit of money on um Sanhagen by submission at plus at 20, 20 to 1 um I think that's a good bet because if TJ is winning this fight and it's a narrative for sure, but you know it also is more than likely. You know, he it, it needs to be a grappling based uh, fight. So I think you know that that uh, ticket probably holds some value that because of that. And I I don't, I don't think that I think Corey with you know how he's talking, he's like, look, I'm here to be the best. You know, I'm here to you know do exciting things and do big things. He's probably gonna be looking to finish TJ in some of those grappling exchanges. So uh, so I thought that was a that's something that I think uh, could play out. Um, on the feet, um, I think Dillashaw, uh, for him for him to have success, I think he should be looking to looking to throw leg kicks like he did versus Dominic Cruz. Um, he didn't get those going against Dominic until like the third round, I think maybe. Um, he should definitely look to do that really early on, mix that in with his takedowns. Um, because Sanhagen, you know, I thought you know watching that fight against um, Rice, it was just really strange to me because. You know the the way he was throwing his jab and you know some of those things. It didn't look to me as um, if I'm thinking about his him matching up with TJ as something that's going to be that you know that effective. Like if he's not coming forward, you know, towards TJ, I don't think he's going to be having that you know great offense you know on him. That being said, you saw what happened when he invited Frankie Edgar to come in. So you know. He he he's just dangerous everywhere. But I lean TJ, and I will put the disclaimer that I am terrible at picking main events. Do that. Do with that what you may. But uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm leaning towards TJ as well. I mean, the I wasn't thinking this coming into tape, but the more I tape, the more I'm reminded about how great of a fighter TJ Dillashaw was. The more I see the the mistakes and the grappling from uh, Corey. And, you know, Corey's a tremendous striker. I do think he probably has the striking advantage here. Um, one, because, you know, he's younger, he should be faster, he's longer. But just because he's just so much more used to the striking exchanges, the pace of a fight, he's used to getting hit. I mean, it's been two and a half years since uh, TJ has probably uh, been hit full speed with these, you know, small gloves at a full fight pace. Uh, meanwhile, Corey's been fighting really good fighters and, you know, having some some close wars with them like Linker. I think he really proved that he's a, a great fighter in that fight. And, you know, I was just rewatching some of the the wrestling exchanges from Corey, I do agree with what you said. The guy just isn't made for wrestling. He he gets taken down rather easily. I thought he did show some improvements in the defensive grappling versus Rafael Sunsal, you know, able to escape those takedowns from a talented grappler without being held down too long, but uh, you know, the Aljamain fight was obviously a, a very bad look. I don't think the, uh, the Dillashaw is on the same level of a of a submission grappler and a jiu-jitsu guy as Aljamain is, obviously. But I still think that TJ Dillashaw can have success in this fight with his wrestling. I think that he needs to mimic the game plan he had against John Linker. Now, TJ Dillashaw probably could have outstruck Linker on the feet the entire time, but he was he's a really smart fighter. He's a championship-level fighter. He took the easiest path to, to victory against Linker by staying on the outside, staying out of his punching range, timing those takedowns, those great takedowns when he was switching stances. I mean, he was really catching Linker off guard there and was able to take him down easily he had a better top game than I remembered. He was holding Linker down. He was landing good ground and pound. He attempted that cool calf slicer in the last round. So Dillshaw is an underrated grappler. He's an underrated wrestler. And I think he has a, a really legit path to victory to win this fight with his wrestling. And I think the odds should be closer to minus 130, minus 150 for Sanhagen. Where it's at now, at closer to minus 200, I think you got to bet on TJ here. You know, there are obviously some legit concerns, two and a half year layoff. He's coming off the of EPO. And, you know, the last time we saw a guy, we saw him beat a guy besides Cody was almost five years ago. So there's not a ton of recent information to, to think that TJ is going to win this fight. But judging by the, the great fighter he once was, the championship level fighter he was, I'm, I'm kind of having more faith in him to come back and pull off this upset performance. So. 
Um, pure pick wise, I, I guess I'm going with Sanhagen, but betting line, I think the value is all over TJ here. And uh, I'll definitely be cheering for TJ to pull off uh, the upset victory via grappling. Uh, I'm kind of leaning this one to go rounds four or five decision, like regardless of whether, um, Regardless of who is winning, I think the fight is going to be a longer fight. I think Corey is going to respect TJ, and it's going to go into the later rounds. Um, so what are you thinking about, you know, official prediction, Ozzy? And what are you thinking about, like, where, how it's going to end, what what stage of the fight? Um, I'm going to pick... Fuck. Damn. All right, if I was to bet this, I would bet TJ, uh, TJ to win. Um, but Money my pick, yep. yeah, my pick will be uh, will be I think I think someone someone's gonna get a finish here at some point. I feel I feel if TJ if TJ is having success grappling, uh, he's going to get to positions that he's going to throw punches that are going to hurt Corey. Yeah, I think he's like if he's just dominating with that grappling, like he's gonna get nasty with some of this ground and pound and maybe force a finish. Uh, but if Corey's been being able to to get out of these takedowns, I think he's gonna knock him out. So I'll pick Corey by like, you know, like a third round, like a like a third round stoppage that involves some kind of grappling. You know, getting out. You know, maybe him reversing, getting to like a mount and like you know. That's why I think that submission prop I think is so good because I feel like there there's a way that because um, TJ is wrestling. And Corey is just able to like reverse him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, get on, get on top of him. Get, he did get, armbar you know. uh, Mario about yeah, yeah. a pretty I'm slick exchange. I'm telling you, like he gets on top of him. He, you know, gets Could to be a close, mount real quick. Close sub knockout. Yeah, so, he's throwing he's throwing some of these strikes, and then he he like sinks in like a rear naked or something like that. So yeah, I think I think twenty to one is worth a stab. You know, yeah, I think it's good a good price. Um, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be cheering for TJ here, likely betting his money line, but you know, either guy winning, uh, I think is cool with us. Uh, Corey is a really cool fighter. He's got a high ceiling and, you know, I think he'll have some fucking really fun fights at Bantam weight against, uh, Munoz against Jan, uh, maybe even against Aldo or something. So, um, great main event here and we're, we're done with these 11 fights. Uh, any closing thoughts here, Ozzy? uh no just overall i think uh you know good fight card this week next week a little underwhelming um hope to do one of these for bellator and that aj mckee card um and yeah you know we got six months left in the year uh goal is to you know really really uh get uh you know get get some good picks out there get some good analysis out there and uh finish a year strong across all of all the fights available you know i think uh right now is a really really good time to be betting last week i saw that lfa card uh had over-unders they had odds for you know a ton of fights like some brazilian fights so you know i think a lot of options are uh, out there right now and you know if you're good at picking fights and and, and all you know there's a good time to be looking to make some money hell yeah man i agree with all that um you can find ozzy just search him uh ozzy mma on bet mma or twitter um thank you all for listening we'll try to do more of these podcasts when there are some more good cards and uh thanks for my man ozzy for joining me and uh, that's gonna do it for this podcast so hope you all enjoy the fights this saturday night hope you all win some bets and we'll see you uh before the next podcast see you guys later